chance to, I would like to encourage you to take a chance to welcome Dale back into just ministry life and service. He's had an opportunity um, to be on sabbatical. Um, if you have visited the church, and we have several folks that have visited the church and come in and kind of gotten involved in the last several weeks, and you may go, man, there's a new guy on stage. He's not a new guy at all. Um, he's our guy. He's just uh, had an opportunity to be um, at rest for a season. Uh, so if you hadn't had a chance to, please make sure that you just, just reconnect with him, uh, just have a chance to catch up, let him know a little bit about what's been going on in your life, uh, be, have a chance to talk to him about um, just what those weeks and just what he's got going on now so you can be praying for him well. I um, also want to take a chance just to thank the folks that really stepped in um, those certain roles uh, to allow for that and to help with that. Um, there's some folks that did some things that they weren't normally doing, uh, probably found out how just some tedious computer stuff can be uh, both a joy and a frustration. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, we just uh, it, it's, uh, it's amazing always to be at a church when um, you can come in every week and expect the heart of worship. Um, and, and we were able to have that um, before, during, and now even still after and as we continue on in the future. So thank you so much um, just for being a, a part of that. Um, just, just blessed by your service and, and, and your use of your gifts and your talents. Um, this week uh, was, uh, it's the, this school year is winding down, um, and uh, she's a teacher. Um, so uh, my, my wife probably, in her soul, she is still, she's saying the same thing, yeah. Um, this school year is winding down. Um, we had a really fun experience this past week. Uh, there's a couple of us that volunteer uh, with the local um, campus life ministry as Youth for Christ in Greensboro, um, and we, after all of COVID for this last week, we were finally able to move into the school. Man, we were so excited this past week uh, to be able to not just be meeting with those students, because we have been. We opened up our church, and another church near here opened up their church so we could get this done. Uh, but we were actually able to walk into their hallways and go into just, I mean, a hot, smelly gym. Um, it was gross and glorious all at the same time. And um, that particular campus life, uh, the gentleman that's over that, he's done such a great job over the years, not just of ministering um, to those middle school students that are gathering, but he also does a really great job of, um, of really bringing in high school students into leadership. Um, and so if you, if you want to talk about, if you want to think about it, just for a second, um, love this guy, his name's Rick, and um, if you want to just think about what patience would look like, imagine really depending on volunteer high school students at 6.45 in the morning. Anybody want to sign up to lead that ministry? He's retiring this summer. No, no, they've already got somebody, thankfully. Um, so, it, you know, he, as he recruits these leaders, um, many times what they do is they, they're, so, they're so great. I mean, they're, they're phenomenal. Um, a group of them were staying after uh, campus life, and we were in conversation. And it just so happened that the three of the ones that we were talking to were three high school seniors, and all of them are girls. And all of them are kind of in this season of life where, like, one just had um, – like a, a bad prom experience, you know, what the date was isn't what the date is going to be, and um, now you can't just bring somebody else, like it, like your photo has been taken at some schools, and like you got, like it has to be you that comes in, and, and, and it's, and then like another girl, she like just like got disappointed by some guy. Now, I'm a father of boys, so I feel morally, spiritually, and emotionally obligated in that moment to come in. And I have a speech, and it is good. It is well prepared. And the title of the speech is, Boys Are Broken. If you have teenage daughters and they don't believe you, if you'll come just schedule an appointment with me, um, 
it's effective. I mean, it's, it's really good. It's motivational, right? Makes them feel good about themselves. Doesn't, doesn't like, make them believe that, that guys won't ever have sense, but it just kind of gauges when they will. Um, it's, it's super effective, okay? So, um, and, and here's the thing. As we're talking about it, it, like, they were on that verge of whether or not to really listen because, like, you could tell in their hearts, they were like, man, we just, like, we, we would like boyfriends right now. And, and one of them looked at me, and I said, um, I said, you know, it's, you, you know, have you ever really thought about what it, what it takes to kind of figure out, um, you know, if, if the guy that you're talking to, where is, it, where is he really at? Like, is there really a walk with Jesus? Is there really character? Is there really care and concern and a heart and maturity? I said, because you know guys will say anything. And she looked at me, and she was like, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, you ask, you know, are you a Christian? And I said, you did not ask him if he's a Christian. And they looked at me appalled like, you're a pastor. Why in the world would you not be for that question? I said, if you ask a 16-year-old guy, are you a Christian, and they think dating you is on the line, they will switch religions in a second. Right? Like, they, they will, they'll probably pray. Maybe in tongues if you want them to. Right? Like, they will just, I mean, it, like, it'll be amazing, the spiritual transformation in their life. They will go and probably... They will find the Bible. They won't even know what year it was printed. They won't even know if it's in English. They might grab like a, like a Spanish translation out of a hotel that they've stayed in before just in case they ever needed it and just open it up and just praying that the Lord reveals truth to them out of Spanish, right? Like, that you, like you just, they're going to say that. And, and, I, and I found it so sweet because I'm going, oh, y'all, y'all really think that it's just, that it, just because they say the word, yes, I believe, that, then they do. And, and we look at that scenario, and we kind of we think of that as just a season of life thing. But, you know, last week we, we started the series called The Kingdom out of Matthew 13, and there's some parables that Jesus teaches. And these parables really get to the heart of what it means to be in the kingdom. And, and some of the things that these parables say are, are, really, um, are really kind of in the face of maybe some things that we've clung to in our life. And when I say things that we've clung to, last week we began with the parable of these four soils. And, and because this parable in, in Jesus and in his infinite knowledge, because he knows the end of the story for each of these lives, then we can look at those four soils and say the first three very consistently have been interpreted to, to, to be views of people that are lost, people that will not ever know Christ have an authentic relationship with him. And only the fourth, the one that was good soil, that produced fruit, is the one that really um, inherits eternal life, which is not just a home eternally in heaven, but, but, but a life, a faithful life with Jesus here on earth. And, and, and because Jesus knows the end of the story, we can, we can look at those and, and, and understand those that way. And, and, but we also talked about this. The tough part in real time in our lives is, man, that number three looks tricky. Because why? The thorns that choked out that life, those thorns don't choke out that spiritual life fast. So, so probably what would be present is that person in a church, in a faith community, in, in relationships with other people, um, really listening to and processing some things from the Word. And, and, it, and it may, because we maybe have experienced a life that started feeling choked out, there may be a repentance in that heart and a conviction given by God in that heart, and, and really a return to the Lord, and the fruit end up coming out. So it proves that it's not three, but it's actually four, because really that heart turned the Lord. And that's a tricky one. 
that one that one's tough when you're dealing in real time with people that you know and you love and you care about and then sometimes disappear and sometimes kind of lose their mind on things and you don't really know why it's going the way it's going and and all of a sudden their life the the evidence of a real relationship with Christ is just it's just not there. They're doing things that, that clearly the Bible would say, and thus says the Lord. And then, then the other stuff that really takes time to dive into the Word to understand and study and know and, and see consistency in Scripture, they just they, they, like, they, they, they walk away from it. So as we looked at that um, this morning, um, I don't, we're, we're not going to go in order um, I don't think I said that up front. We're not going to go in order with these parables as far as the way, um, the order which they appear in Matthew 13. Um, really prayed over this, and I feel like this is a great morning for us to go from the four soils a little bit farther into the chapter in Matthew 13. Um, and really, we're just going to be in just a couple of verses, in Matthew, actually three verses in Matthew 13, and then we're going to flesh this out a little bit in Jesus' teaching and his interactions um, because this is... Uh, this one, uh, unlike the other one, this one starts out, the kingdom of heaven is like. So in other words, um, this, this relationship with Jesus, this being part of what God is doing, this being in the family of God, is like this. And, and, and he, I, want you, I want to caution you towards one thing before I read this. Jesus in his teaching says it's, it's like this, um, this the one temptation in this passage, I think, for sometimes for, for us is um, to to look at this as just the beginning of the kingdom in our life, just the just the entering in to salvation, and it and it's really not that at all. It, it's you're, you're going to hear he talks about the kingdom as just one whole thing. It's it's all one thing. It's not well, I was saved and then I kind of walk away from that. Now I'm in another. It, it's it's all one thing. Okay, so let's 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 really listen. As, as Matthew 13, Jesus speaks through these verses. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. They did not have banks. Um, so if you wonder why in the world would somebody just forget that they had whatever, gold, silver, something that was not um, sentimental value because the guy that finds this, um, he didn't know it was there. So he didn't unwrap somebody's baby pictures and go, oh, this has infinite value, the stuff that you would grab if there was ever a fire, right? He, he sees it not knowing who it belongs to, and it doesn't matter who it belongs to because it's just obviously valuable, Say, so, well, wow, how in the world would somebody forget where they put it? Because everybody buried everything in the ground. Like everybody, you wrapped it up. You hid it in your house. You put it somewhere that you thought it would be safe. And, and, and if it was valuable enough, you probably um, didn't tell a whole lot of people. But maybe you drew some type of reference point on parchment to say, this is where this is. If anybody ever, um, anybody ever finds me not breathing anymore, you know where to go and follow the dotted line and, and dig at the X. This guy in inspecting, surveying, doing something on this property, he finds something that he never, ever would have run across. And, and after finding it, after finding it, he had an immediate desire for it. 
an immediate desire. It, it, it is amazing how, um, if you really want to kind of flesh out, you know, like, well, I don't. Um, many people say when they really enter into the kingdom of God, they begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. They they get saved, whatever kind of language you want to use. Many people say like in that that stage of life, it's a little bit confusing. Uh, they say, you know, I, I, I didn't feel the Holy Spirit come into me. Well, one of the differences oftentimes that we can point to in our life that we belong to God is, is all of a sudden, sud- I mean, really suddenly, some of, our, some of our, um, our, our closed-minded thoughts open to wonder, what does the Lord say about this? Sometimes desires that we have drastically diminish. Sometimes things that never convicted us or bothered us before all of a sudden seem very present in our thoughts. And that's just not in the beginning of our relationship with Jesus. So that, that's all through it. But, but we notice it many times at the very beginning, which is evidence that there is something different about us. That Jesus Christ, not, who, not only just who died for our sin and who rose again, but who indwells us in spirit form, is up to something. We, we've talked about that, that he's showing us himself and that there's a work, a God work going on in our life. And, and he does make a trade-off, and it says, and he sells everything he has and buys the field. I, you know what? The one, one question that, that my, um, my curiosity peaks there, I, I, one, the one thing that I really want to know, did he sell it? His shovel. I'm not even sure. I probably should have studied that out to know, did they actually have a, a shovel tool? Because like, if he's out there surveying land and he sees something, like, there's an odd kind of hump in the ground. like It's settled around it, and he just, out of curiosity, nothing better to do, just dig it up. Or maybe he had sons like me, and he was trying to occupy them from all the craziness they were doing. He was like, hey, go dig whatever that is up. Maybe that's what he was doing. And, and, and in finding it, I mean, reburies it and, and, is, and, and doesn't want to take a chance that he won't have enough money to purchase the property to be able to claim this treasure. So not even wanting to take a chance, does he even hand over the hand tools that he needs to go get it? Because he says, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't mind even handing this over and selling this because if, if man, I will do the hard work of digging for that, for that treasure. You see the instantaneous kind of change that's happening in this guy's soul? And, and one of the reasons I point out that this, I really don't believe that this is just about the beginning of salvation, because if it is, we would be very tempted to think, oh, because, he's, because he did something, he got into the kingdom. Because he sold something, he was able to possess it. Now, he, 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 was, he was already changed by just um, the, the knowledge that he was given. He was already changed. Now, that could very easily stand alone. Jesus returns again in verse 45 with this partner parable. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything and had bought it. Similar reaction. But you see what the difference is between the two, really a, a very distinct difference. The first guy, he wasn't looking. He was occupied with pursuits of life, and he just found it. It, it just showed up in the middle of his day, and it just absolutely changed everything. Another person, this merchant, they were looking. They were up to a hunt. But, but notice, it, what, was that, what was this merchant looking for? Fine pearls, m- multiple he was looking for things 
that would make him money, would profit him, would satisfy him, would be that rush of, of finding and discovering and capturing and, and, and then reselling and then going for more. Like he, he, was, he was well in the chase of life and business. So he was looking. He just didn't realize that there was one version of what he searched for that would change everything for him. And out of those two things, we could probably divide up the room. I could probably say, okay, all right, everybody who was just, you weren't looking for Jesus, you weren't thinking about Jesus, and, and then all of a sudden the gospel just captured your heart in a way that you never expected. Go to this side of the room. Then I could say, okay, for, for all of you who were, who were really searching for something, you realized um, that there was something missing from your life and, and there was a felt hole there. Um, you, you, were, you were searching in relationships or whatever it was. And, and, and then in that search, then the things started to click together, dots started to connect, and it was like, hang on a second, it's not, it's not a million answers, it's one answer and it's Jesus, go to this side of the room. And, and I think, by and large, most of us could probably choose between one of those two things. Now, question, if, if this really is not about just the beginning of a relationship, but it's about the kingdom of God, about everything, then, 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 then what we're sensing is, is there is one relationship with God, and, and everything in it, 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 it comes together, or, it, or it's not at all. So in other words, out, out of the kingdom of God, like we, we can't just get eternal hope, and then slide away from a life of holiness. We, we can't, like if we separate those things, functionally in our life, we're really in, in, a, in, a, in an action way going, God, actually you're not telling the truth in your word because I'm, 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 my life's a lie, I'm separating these things. It's why, it's why in my life, when, when I'm faced with certain difficulties, I, I've been in a season of life where I've been um, the walking the balance of, um, you ever feel just really frustrated about something? And in ways, there's, um, there's a correctness there, but you realize at the same time, there's no way that God is going to continue working in your life and really being real to you and intimate to you um, if that becomes um, a, a, a bitterness. You ever, you ever walk that balance and realize, man, this isn't just about heaven. Like, God, you are, like, eternity is happening now. And, and if I'm not disciplined enough to, to you, Lord, to think about how I love and how I speak and how I do all these things, like, no matter how right I want to be, I will be wrong in your sight, and I will not be pleasing you. And, and, and really pleasing the Lord is as simple as the beginning of the solution. Hebrews eleven six, 6. Um, to please God is to seek Him, to be rewarded by Him, to, to, to have Him act in a real way in our life is, is to have really sought after the Lord to go on after him because he's, he's as he says, I'm, I'm not far, I'm actually near. It's really just the pursuit of, of a committed heart saying um, it, it, it won't be all these pearls that I'm looking for. It will be just the discovery and the, and the faithfulness and the, and, the, and the valuation of just one, the one. So the question of this comes out, like what does this mean? Like what does it mean in this word, everything. Like, how do we how do we ration rationalize that out in our lives? How do we flesh that out in our life? How do we understand, Lord? All right, what what does it mean? Because there is a struggle. Have you ever talked to someone who um, really felt a certain way about something in their life, 
like, I mean, they were like, this is me, this is who I am. And, and you saw that in that, just that firm holding of that, that thing was standing between them really come, coming into a um, free relationship with the Lord. Like, they were like, okay, if i got to change this, then your faith or your religion just must be wrong. Because if this is who I am, how can that be right? Have you, have you ever had that kind of conversation or sensed that from someone? <clears throat> I don't know, everybody's just staring at me this morning. I don't know if you're like tired or serious or scared or what you're doing. But like, just, just relax. Everybody take a breath. Just kind of breathe for a second, okay? Um, sometimes you see that in people's lives. And, and here's the problem. If we, it, as Christians, I don't know about you, Michael Barrett's over here. Michael has been a pastor. He, he's just attending our service this morning. He, he works with our association. He's a great, great pastor. I, I, I think Michael will probably answer it the same way. I've never had success. Never had success. I don't know if you have, sir. Convincing someone that they're wrong of their sin and, and creating a desire in them to change that prior to meeting Jesus. Have you? No. I mean, what, you think about it, if, if, there, if, if Jesus isn't in us to motivate us to, to, to be different, to set something that we hold tightly to aside, if, if his presence isn't there, it, it is an impossibility to desire to change. It is. That's why the gospel is about just the, the problem of sin, that Jesus resolves it, and in trusting him, he then grows us, into an image that will look more like him. And that process, we sell it. Now listen, I'm just telling you this even as a pastor who I try to get people to get involved in stuff all the time. We sell it like it is the most beautiful process in the world. It's ugly and it hurts. I'm just going to tell you the truth this morning. You know why? Think about something that you hold on to and you just get as angry as you can about it. What would it take what would the working need to be for your heart to change over it? Probably not something real smooth, soft, and, you know, a little bit less floats like a butterfly, a lot more stings like a bee. So, so what does this look like? Because Jesus speaks about this, okay? Jesus speaks about this. So I want, I want to kind of frame really where the walk of a Jesus follower is going to go because Jesus talks about kind of fleshing this out in other places because, yes, there, there is this initial receive the gospel with joy, but, but God has created us to have a mind that understands. And I want us to make sure that we understand because remember how close and how many ways the third soil and the fourth soil looked? You remember how close that could be argued on number three, saved or not saved, depending on the season of life you look at? Let's, let's dive into just a few, and we'll move through these pretty quick, okay? Matthew 18, Matthew 18, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whosoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. There is... Um, as Jesus teaches here, there, there is pride that has to be turned loose and sold off to, to have this relationship, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not just the pride that says, hey, ultimately, I can, I can make sure my life looks good. Um, the, the pride that says that maybe my sin's not that bad. But, but, but throughout the relationship, it will be pride over and over again. You know, there is something really sweet. Now, I, I don't, 
the, the language of the, the original language here in Scripture re- really um, points us and, and, and kind of shows us that Jesus is talking about a young child here. Um, Jesus is not talking about a 13-year-old. You know why? A 13-year-old and humbleness is in the same struggle I am. There's something really sweet about a little kid who knows that they can't do what they need done but trust in the person that can. Right? And, and sometimes it, it's, it, sometimes the idea is off. Yesterday we were finishing the second of a couple of kids' teams ministry meetings, and after that meeting we are sitting over here to the side, and uh, I was sitting here just kind of on the corner of the stage, and uh, Michelle Jones was right here, and Brad was in this first seat on this second row, and, and their oldest daughter, Parker, um, ran up, and, and I think she ran up to Brad. She might have run up to Michelle. But, but I, I heard the question. The question was, Kate, that's her little sister, Kate won't play with me. Will you make Kate play with me? Right, like she, she knew she could not make her younger sister play with her. She knew who could. So what does parenting look like? That's probably not the right question. So the love of a parent shepherds that. But that is the humility of a child. And, and, and that's what it says. Jesus says, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus speaking. He used the word never. That, that should be one of the most gripping moments in, that, just to, in, in understanding really who, the, who Jesus is in the gospel. If he says never or if he says always, like those words should grip us to the core because it should change the way we think about things. The second one, I want to point out to you, Mark chapter 9. No, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 8. Um, Jesus, verse 34, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation? The Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus brings up this idea of life. Now, when he says life here, he doesn't just mean this thing that's happening that you know we breathe in, we breathe out, we eat food. Trips to the bathroom happen. Um, like it, it's not just talking about those aspects of life. This is life from the concept of um, what what are what are our pursuits? What are we living for? What is what what are, what are the goals and 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 the missions of life? Because um, w- listen to the language. It's talking about exchanging your life for something. Uh, none of us in this room have ever come to a moment where we've said we've actually we we actually have given our breath our ability to breathe for food because we're still alive. But we have given the finances of our life that we work for, for food, for possessions. We have made decisions about relationships we're going to pursue, and there's things about us as a single individual that, that we laid aside for that relationship. That, so, so when we look at life and the decisions and everything that happens, Jesus says some really, really pointed things here about it. He says that there are people that are embarrassed of him. People that would look at 
what the truth of God's word says, and, and they would just simply go, I don't want to stand out that much. And, and in a sense, Jesus is almost kind of a, and, and this, is, this is my phrasing, this is not what Jesus says specifically, but, but to me it's almost kind of like, um, it, you know, you, you don't want to stand out, you don't want to identify me, um, but when I get everybody in the line for the good handouts, you're in that line, right? It's like being a parent and all of a sudden your kid has this look on their face like, oh, they just showed up at school. But then all of a sudden you're you're holding a bag of Chick Fil A and they're you're and they're like you're getting a hug and a kiss, like no, it don't work that way. It don't go both ways. Like the relationship, the kingdom is one thing. It's real or it's not. Matthew chapter ten, Jesus says this: the one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Um. Jesus doesn't call us to not love. He's not, he doesn't free us to go, well, I'm on my own now. Don't need to love mom and dad anymore. Je- Jesus doesn't, he, he's not saying that here because that would go against just the simple gospel commandment of um, love others as yourself. If your parents are Christians, they would fall into that category. Like, so he's not saying don't love, but what he's saying is, it, it's again, we're, we're, Jesus so much uses valuing language. Let me, let me throw an example out like this. Um, how, how would we love our children more than Jesus? Um, can everybody, can we agree to not be offended? Because I, so I, Wendy reminds me many times, when I talk, my facial muscles don't always match my heart. Now, I don't smile when I don't mean it. But oftentimes, I don't smile when I do mean it. Does that make sense? So when I say this, struggle's real for all of like we, we, we understand big decisions in life. But, but let me just throw this one out. If, if the reason, as a, as a couple or an individual, that you, don't, that you don't join something like a D-Life group is because of how busy your kids are, in your mind, you've said, I have to do this for them in a way. And, and, and it's functionally like, okay, i got to love them. i got to involve them this way. But it's not allowing for spiritual, healthy community, growth in God's Word with other believers, and in, 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 in making disciples in the kind of way that we're told to. So, so we're, we're in that way loving our kids more than we're loving Jesus. And and those are the kind of things that um, you know we we look at and we go man we just but I, but we should be able to have it all we should be able to kind of have this life and in activities and sports and recreation and vacation and, I mean we should be able to you know have this spiritual life with our church and 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 there is, there's just too many forks in the road folks there's just too many moments where a decision has to be made and and and, and Matthew 13 argues that there's just so much value. In this thing, this one thing that means everything of the kingdom, that just it's just inevitable to to obtain, to hold, to enjoy, something will have to be set aside. We can't hold on to both. We can't hold on to everything and get the kingdom. We can't get the kingdom 
and hold on to everything because our hands will be too full of the kingdom. Luke 14, 33, Jesus says in the same way, therefore, everyone who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Um, you, you, you don't have to, um, you don't actually have, just so you know, you don't actually have to sell something to renounce it. It, it just can't be um, more important than Jesus, right? Um, God has not called me to sell the three pairs of Jordans that I own. I'm not saying I prayed over it recently, but I don't think he's called me to do that, right? Nobody has come up. Well, I shouldn't say that because somebody's going to come up to me and tell me their shoe size and tell them that God spoke to them about it. Um, but I'm just saying, like, I, I, like I, there's some things that we enjoy in life. And we, 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 don't, we don't have to get, God doesn't say give. He said, but, just, but just, just kind of in your mind say, like, this, is, like, this thing, my home is not going to be, such a high priority that, that I do every little thing to it that I, that I wouldn't be able to be generous in the kingdom for God's purposes. Um, that in fact, I would start to look at it as a place to open up opportunities for fellowship instead of just improvements. I mean, there, there's, there's that kind of looking. So what, like, really, what does Jesus say across all these things? I mean, really, um, um, we, we have to consider um, setting aside pride, our, our pursuits in life, family from certain perspectives, the possessions that we have, we have to really consider what is it going to look like for us. And, and, and that is not just stuff. It's also ideas and thoughts and attitudes. To, to what is it going to look like to set aside that? Because that's, that's inevitable. That, that's not a, it might be required of us. At the very minimum, our minds will have to be changed towards the way we think about those things and the way we think we're doing things. If you want proof of that, here's a passage. Um, this is in, um, let me flip to the end, uh, Mark chapter 10. I print in big print. Don't worry when I flip multiple pages, okay? Jesus is, is teaching his disciples, and he's talking about how difficult it is to get into the kingdom of heaven, okay? He's talking about how difficult is it for someone that, that is in certain seasons of life, in certain conditions of life, and has certain things, how difficult is it for them to get into the kingdom of heaven. And, and ultimately, one disciple, Peter speaks up. Because I think Peter is starting almost, um, he's probably somewhere caught between, I want to defend myself, and, or, and, or at least I want to look like I've done the right thing. When Jesus says in verse 27, looking at them, Jesus said, With man it is impossible, but um, not with God, because all things are possible with God. Verse 28, Peter began to tell him, look, we have left everything and followed you. Peter's like, look, we, we're like, we walked away from it all. Man, like, we, like, man, look what I've given up. I mean, Peter is almost kind of wanting to be like, Jesus, let's change the tone of what you're saying here. Like, hey, I mean, like, look at, look at what I've, I've sacrificed. And, and this is Jesus' response. Verse 29, truly I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children and fields with, um, with, with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last and the last first. It, it, Here's what Jesus really is communicating. He's like, listen, Peter, you, you think you've given up so much for the gospel? Like, because you don't see your family as much, 
You're, you're living, look at, who's, look at who's camped out around the fire with you, Peter. It is your family. You walked away from a couple of family members. There are, there are people in the, in the teens, most commonly, gathered around Jesus, his disciples, um, a group of women, Jesus himself. And look, it's, we're already around you. If, if you. if you think you're going to sell something to be generous for the kingdom, God's perspective is, I provide you with everything. Like you literally just sold what I gave you. So look around at the rest of the world. Look around at the rest of the kingdom, the Christians that are you're around. If you give up your home, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pastor that I talked to. I spoke at a little college gathering uh, for our state convention back in January, and we were at one of the mission camps um, that our association operates in the state. And, and, and the couple there um, lives in basically uh, an area in this school that they've renovated. They, they live in a, in, a, in a section of it. They... To, to be able to really do the ministry they do, they sold their house and they moved into this place so they could really, I mean, just really serve the Lord with every single aspect they could, finances and all. And, and when we were talking about that, you know, the first response that he made, it was not, man, I've given, I mean, like I gave up my house, my back porch. He says, no, man, he said, I, I have a home that pe- hundreds and thousands of people every year come into he said, I could never have that many people in my house. He said, I have gained a school that I live in. You see what I'm saying? It's, and, and, you, and you can argue it a million different ways, but his mind and his heart are set on the kingdom. So his perspective and everything function out of his I mean, you think about what, what happens out of his perspective. Everything. Everything. Every missions project he arranges, every meal that he eats, all of that stuff. He even looked at me at one meal. We're eating, um, and, and it was just a very solid, average breakfast. He looked at me and with a smile on his face. He said, do you realize if I didn't live here, I'd never be able to eat this meal with you. So the way he experienced breakfast is different because of how he sees the kingdom. I read um, this statement this week, and because I do a lot of my studying on a, on a computer program called Logos, it, it it electronically has a lot of books and stuff stored. Um, I, I wrote this down, and, and then I cannot find where I found it. So someone should get credit for this that's not me. I just don't know who to proclaim that credit towards this morning. But I want to read this statement for you because this is, this is what God did in Jesus, okay? The wisdom of God devised a way for the love of God to deliver sinners from the wrath of God while not compromising the righteousness of God. Now I want to read it again because that's a, it's, it's a heavy statement. It's got several really key words to it. The wisdom of God devised a way for the love of God to deliver sinners from the wrath of God while not compromising the righteousness of God. That statement means this. God is so intelligent. He's so intelligent that he came up with a plan that would not, it would not cancel out his righteousness, which means this, because God is holy, if he just went, you know what, let's just forget about all that stuff you did. Let's just, we're just not going to talk about it. I'm not going to hold that against you. If he just wiped it all away and just ignored it, he couldn't be God. So God, in that sense, we would call it a dilemma. 
all right, God, how, how can you solve this? Because if, if you can't just ignore it, you have to deal with it. God is so intelligent that he could remain God with that standard. And his solution was out of his love in Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God himself. This is how brilliant God is. I can hold you to the same standard I have to because I'm God, because I can't just change my mind on that. But I can also welcome you into my family. But the price has got to be paid so I can do it. Right? Like you ever just kind of worked a problem out in real time and kind of went, oh, like that, that, that's not, that, God doesn't have those moments. But, but that, like when you really think about the gospel, Jesus Christ dying for sin, it is a brilliant plan by a perfect God where he remains who he is and still loves you and I enough to welcome us into his kingdom. And if, and if that's true, Jesus is alive, then it has to, all of it, just, I mean, the, the entering into it, the fact that heaven awaits us, that we will receive a perfect body in eternity, the fact that we will be, um, we will be comforted now in our weeping and in our sorrow, um, the fact that we will be changed when pride consumes us to a soft heart for the Lord, whether someone deserves it or not, all, it's all one thing. So, so for all of that, it, man, if we live a life where we just don't think something's going to have to be set aside, God's the brilliant one. So you know by default what that makes us, right? The fool. And, and, and here's the beauty of it. You don't even have to manufacture your own desire to change. If you belong to Jesus, he'll start doing it in you. That's crazy. He, he, he doesn't even let and, and, and stop his work in a, in a nature that wants to just run its own way. It's crazy. So I had this conversation with three sweet girls this week. Disappointed. And they, they said, we vetted them, right? We asked these guys, man, you believe in Jesus? Oh, girl, you know I believe in Jesus. And then some of us have answered that question just very simply. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Last week we talked about that fourth soil. Which means we do belong to Jesus. We can look back and see things, okay, Lord, for you, for the kingdom. There's some things that I've already set aside. We're in a season of life now where there'll be things now that the Lord is probably speaking to you about, even in this moment. And it would be easy to close a Bible, to close a mind, but we, we're not going to do that. There's things that God's speaking to you about in this moment that are going to have to be set aside. There will be things that we don't know about yet. Problems that haven't come up. People that haven't even made us mad yet. They're just waiting in the wings. That we'll need to 
go to the Lord over and set some things aside. Because the one thing, not parts of it, we don't, we don't choose parts, the one thing is this great treasure. The value's great regardless of how it's gauged um, by what I've sold. The value's great. Would you bow your heads for just a second? As, as you just really take in the Lord's word this morning, um, I, I, would, I would caution you if, if you, if you are unsure really where you stand with the Lord, and I, I would really caution you from going down the, the train of thought, going down the track of thought to say, um, this is what I think. This is what I just believe. Or, or man, I just, I can't set, I, 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 there is no way I can change this about me to just belong to some faith system. Before you ever go down that road, just simply answer a few questions. Number one, have you done things that are wrong in life? And if those things are wrong, who says they're wrong? I would present to you that the creator of this world has set up the system in our minds and we are created in his image so that we have morality in us to know when certain things are wrong. In his image, we, we are, we're not even satisfied when someone's ungrateful. And, and that's just God's image, I believe, crying out in us. Thank him. We owe you, Lord. So within you, those things that you know are just, whether you call them mistakes or whatever, if, if they're sin, they're wrong things. And, and, if, and, if, and in God's mind, if they're wrong, God's standard is perfection. So we realized right off the bat, I didn't need it. So what now? God sent Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, his son himself, to die for sin that we've committed, not what he committed because he was perfect. But it was a genius plan because in his death, he could die in our place. And God was satisfied with the payment. That payment was is described in the Bible with words like full, total, complete. Jesus did not just die. Hundreds of witnesses. What scripture does says but what it does say, what history doesn't say, it, just all the evidence point points to the fact that even that we have the Word of God assembled, is, it just is, it's all rooted in that Jesus is alive. Now, it's, it's, it's not what we saw, but in your heart, something that sounds as unbelievable as that becomes this sense that this is true. That's God working in your heart. If you believe in the truth of that, and your heart confession is, Lord Jesus, it is you, not me, that what needs to be set aside is worth it for this one life in the kingdom, this everything, God, that you've offered, this, 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 this future, you, your presence, everything. And the Bible responds that out of that, be saved what God does you will be saved if you know that this is the morning that you're ready to really 
you're ready to voice that in a prayer. You're ready to, you're ready to move into a walk with Jesus. I, I want to invite you to come up during this last song and just and you can just simply say, hey, I want, I want to talk and then you can walk away from me and I'll come find you. You can even do something as simple as check a box on our cards and we will come seek you out for conversations. We'd love to just have them after this service until we're done. But if you leave here this morning, please, before you question how painful it could be to set even one thing aside, pray to the Lord to reveal in your soul the value of the kingdom and measure it off that. Father God, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your goodness. Lord, help us to hear your word and to act on it this morning. Lord, we love you. And so now as we sing and in these moments, Lord, cement these truths in our heart. And Lord, help us to be faithful as we walk from here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand?